T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Among the many issues raised in the acidic debates around the overturning of Roe v. Wade is adoption. Pro-lifers say more needs to be done to advise pregnant women about adoption instead of abortion, and that adoption not only helps a child, but can also help people looking to start or grow their family. On the other side, one argument from pro-choice advocates is bans on abortion can put even more children into foster and adoption systems already under stress. I wanted to step away from the politics of abortion and learn more about what adoption and fostering looks like in Louisiana. I discovered they can be sources of extreme highs and lows. I visited three different sets of people, a woman who gave up her first child for adoption, a single mom who adopted her daughter, and a married couple that adopted two boys who had a rough start in life. Watch, watch, watch. Watch, watch, watch. Nope. Nikki Fabry is getting her sons nope. ready for dinner. First stop is the kitchen sink. Emilian is four. Braxton is two. Nikki and her husband officially adopted the boys five months ago. Nikki remembers the first time she saw them. She says it was magical. When I first got them the first day, my oldest son, Emilian, called me mommy. Walking in my door, he has never seen me a day in my life, and I started crying. Because I'm thinking, like, he don't even know who I am. First time ever seeing me, walked in my house and said, mommy, that just broke my heart. And I was, and I told the caseworker, I said, if he ever leave me, I probably would die. I cried, and she was like, oh, my God. I'm like, what you want me to do? I cried. I called my husband. I'm like, he walked in and called me mommy because I have never been a mommy, and now I'm a mommy. Yep, I've been through two Mother's Days with them, and it's been great. For Alvin Laurent, their hair is what sticks out in his memory. They had these bushes, like curly. One had a curly top, and the other one, like, hair was everywhere. I'm like, okay. I mean, Fell in love with him from, from the jump. Nikki and Alvin technically had kids before getting married. They fostered Emilian and Braxton for a year, then adopted in February. The brothers were in the wedding, and now they're getting into the brownie mix mom is making for dessert. What is that? Wow! You gonna let your brother pull the rest of it? Okay. Right. Sharon is Karen. Sharon Yeah. Nikki always wanted simple moments like these. But having children with her husband didn't seem possible. And my husband is no longer can have kids. So we talked about it, and I was like, mm, well, we could do fostering. I actually know somebody, two people that actually has fostered already. And we went to fostering, did the class for four weeks, got certified, and the next month they were on our doorstep. It was faster than what I thought it was going to be. thought it was going to take a long process, but it wasn't, not even a year. For Alvin, adoption is a second chance at fatherhood. His six other children are now grown. 
I was I was a real good father, but it, I was outside of the house. I was never. I was there sometimes, and I was out sometimes. It's like I was never stable, never you know focused on actually being there. I I, I might have went to games and was there for him financially, but I was never there for him like physically and to you know just to go through everyday life with him and the opportunity was presented when she said she wanted to have kids and I was like okay let's do it and I mean it's best one of the best decisions I ever made because they 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 making me grow as a father so I mean I I mean I love it my hopes and dreams are my oldest son told me he was gonna be a fireman so we all for that Braxton hasn't really told me what he wanted to be yet, but I think he's going to be, he's going to be a lover boy. He's all about women already, and he's only two. But he's all about his mom, too. All right, Mommy. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks. You're welcome. Ooh, it's cold. On the evening I visited their home in Covington, there was a lot of laughing and playing. Of course, there are other days the ones we don't see. My oldest son, I can think something, he's seen stuff and been through stuff because certain times he'll be like angry or he'll throw something and I think that was being done to him or whatever like that. And um, I just think certain situations I think he have seen and like he sometimes scared to ask for food because in this case with his biological mom he asked for something and she slapped him with the cookie threw him down and stuff like that but like i told him you want something you can have it food you can have it eat until you fall out nikki says the birth mom had drug problems and the boys were placed into two foster homes which were unfit for them the first foster care the oldest one was getting black eyes and when the caseworker went and saw him they couldn't say why and then the second home they were feeding him chicken nuggets and french fries every day, and he was constipated, so they removed him as well. Um, and I'm the third home, and they are mine now. Regardless of which state foster system a child ends up in, the goal, if possible, is to reunite the child with their immediate family or extended family. So when foster parents agree to open their home, they do it with the understanding that it may not be a forever situation. They'll have to go through intense background checks and then attend classes to prepare for the kid's arrival. Financially, states try to incentivize people to become fosters. In Louisiana, the Department of Child and Family Services, or DCFS, will pay foster parents an average of about $467 a month to care for a child that is two years old or under. That comes out to roughly $15.50 a day. That payment fluctuates with the age of the child. It tops out when the foster child is 13 or older. The foster parents will then get an average of about $500 a month, which comes out to about $1670 per day. Early in their foster experience, Nikki and Alvin knew they would adopt the boys. They say they couldn't be happier now, but they're also taking on the children's history. Alvin says sometimes they really struggle with ways to help a million. He lashes out sometimes, and like I'll have to... Get and I, I, I'm trying my hardest to change it for him not to lash out like that. I had it was times that I had to bring him to work with me and let him sit in my office and kind of, you know, 
for the day because he hadn't lashed out at school, and that's the that's the thing that I and he has he had I mean he has lashed out at home too. And I was telling Nikki like it's getting to a point to where we might need to seek counseling for him. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Every adoption in Foster's story, of course, is unique. Lizzie Schultz's began in Memphis, Tennessee, where she was in and out of foster homes until she was 13. I actually remember when I went into DCS, or DSFS or whatever it's called for the first time, that was like, I went in with my suitcase, the people that were giving me up, and I just sat there and it, two years, and then I went to another place and it just kept on happening like that. Sounds like a very confusing system in time too. Yeah, just went in with my suitcase, they left, the people that I was living with left me there after they finished signing off all the paperwork, then I was just there all alone, felt like. She has every reason to be mad at the world, and she's not. She's joyful and sweet and resilient. That's Kelly Schultz, who has been Lizzie's adoptive mom since May of 2021. She grew up in Tennessee and kind of had a, a rough background through no fault of her own. And I met her initially as a mentor. Um, it was a, a program where I signed up to be a mentor with, uh, you know, young ladies that needed a hopefully positive role model. And I just fell in love with Lizzie. Kelly is born and raised in New Orleans and spent most of her adult life in public relations, promoting tourism and travel to the city. She'd tell you she's been married to the job and never really wanted to have kids. She briefly left New Orleans and moved to Memphis, where she found more time to do things like mentor young girls. I just signed up to say, look, I'll mentor a young lady. I have time. You know, if I can help a teenage lady, you know, young lady build confidence or take her to lunch or to get her nails done on a Saturday, that's what I signed up for. I signed up to be a mentor, not a mom. So I didn't know I was going to meet her until I met her. So um, that was kind of surprising. To... You didn't even know what a mentor was. I just uh-uh. kinda, I'm just i just like this random woman <laughs> that walks in the door. Yeah. So... That was at nighttime too, so she just came in and we met and then that was where our relationship started and then now look where we are. It took some time for them to get to that place though and to get Lizzie to New Orleans. Kelly didn't start the foster process until she returned to the city in 2020. She felt she had more support here. Although she was taking the steps to adopt Lizzie, she couldn't tell her. I mean, I didn't know like she did, so, I mean, I asked her, can you adopt me before actually? (laughs) And she was like, no, no, I can't, even though she knew that she was going to try, or like she was trying. It had to be tough to hold that secret. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, at first, and and, and the the people that did the mentor program said, listen, the kid is going to probably, the mentee is going to say, will you adopt me? And they would give you like an answer of, well, I'm your mentor, and it's a different type of relationship. And, and it's I, to protect the kid. I right, it. it's to protect the kid. And, and I would say, you know, I'm, 
I'm single and, and I work a lot and, and you need to go to a big family with, you know, kids and all this land. And, you know, every time she would say, why can't you be my mom? It was like a knife in my heart. Leading up to that point in her young life, Lizzie had asked herself similar questions as she moved through the Tennessee foster system. It was tough. I mean, everyone around me was getting a family and then I wasn't. So it was very hard. It's got to be frustrating. Yeah. I actually had one home that I didn't like very much, so I'd ask my caseworker every morning if she'd come pick me up at 7 in the morning, and I'd go stay at the caseworker's office until, like, 7 o'clock at night. Eventually, Lizzie was placed in a group home, which she says had one bright spot. I did like one thing about foster care was there was other foster siblings in the home. So, like, they were in foster care and they were in that same home as you, so it was like your foster sister And they or kind brother. of understood what you were going through too, in a way. Yeah. After months of planning and waiting, the path was clear for Kelly to foster and ultimately adopt Lizzie. It became official in May of 2021. I adopted her, like the judge literally said, you are responsible for her until she is 18 legally, as if you gave, like I had to sign a document that said, this is like you gave birth to her. I mean, it's, you know, legal and final, and she now shares my last name. Outcomes like Lizzie's are exceptions in the foster and adoption worlds. Children under the age of five make up almost half of the adoptions in the U.S. Teenagers account for less than 10% of adoptions. It's now a lived experience for Lizzie. I mean, now I'm so happy, and before I wasn't, you know? It's just a big difference. I mean, I was a teenager. I was at my double digits, so I was like, I feel like babies have more of a chance because parents don't have, sometimes they don't even have to explain. Like, they feel like they don't have to explain that they didn't make them, you know? And teenagers, they know that what happened to them. So, you know, it's just different. Like, babies, they can be like, oh, you're mine, all mine. And teenagers, you know that I was somebody else's before theirs, you know? Finding homes for older children is one of the biggest challenges for Louisiana's Department of Child and Family Services. There are roughly 4,000 children in the state foster care system right now. Beth Green is a child welfare manager for home development with DCFS. As far as the need, we're always in desperate need of loving, nurturing homes for children. I will tell you um, that we have a tremendous need for families willing to open their hearts and their homes to older youth. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. So far, we focused on what can take place when parents receive kids through adoption. But there's another side that sometimes gets overlooked or forgotten. The people who put their children up for adoption. When I got pregnant, I was 21. Catherine Bufa is originally from a small town in Kansas. Her family moved to Bucktown when she was eight years old. She was raised in a very Catholic household, went to Catholic school, and served in the military after high school. She got out right before 9-11, and returned to Metairie to live with her parents and go to college. 
In 2002, she became pregnant for the first time. She was going to have a boy. I was unplanned. I was in college. I was living with my parents and working at a coffee shop. Um, my ex was in the military, so he kind of moved around a lot. It was in a very good relationship, and he wasn't too interested in me any longer or the child. I was scared to death. Um, I come from a very religious Catholic family. Um, my grandparents are, were very Catholic. My parents raised us Catholic, so, you know, they weren't too excited about it. Um, I was scared, nervous. I wasn't sure what to do or where to turn. And it took me a couple months to tell my parents that I was pregnant. And at first they were a little disappointed, but they were very supportive as were my grandparents. My dad always taught us, you know, you, you can do what you want, but you have to take responsibility for your actions. And at the time I was pro-choice, but I knew personally that that was something that I couldn't do. Um, I wanted to give him a chance of life, even if it wasn't with me, you know, if I could find him a better family, a better situation. Catherine stayed with her boyfriend through the pregnancy, but deep down, she knew she was on her own. He was very emotionally um, and verbally abusive. Um, things didn't get physical until... Um, after I found out I was pregnant because he was a very selfish, narcissistic person. And if things weren't going his way, he, you know, tried to get me to have an abortion, straight up told me I'm not going to be part of this child's life. I'm not going to be part of your life. You're going to have to do this all on your own. And then said some pretty awful things. Pregnant and carrying all that personal upheaval in her life, Catherine set out to find a stable home for her son. It took a while to, I contacted an adoption agency and they send you pictures and profiles of families and kind of look through them. Um, it took a little while, but I found a family and they live in Washington, D.C. and actually worked for a very well-known company. So I knew he would have a good environment. He would, and we met them, we had dinner with them before we decided, you know, to choose them. And they were just amazing. On July 21st, 2002, Catherine delivered a baby boy. And before the adoption could be finalized, she was given five days to spend with her son. Within that time, biological parents can opt out of the adoption if they choose. I second-guessed myself actually right before he was born. Um... And they, I was told that was normal. I mean, you have all the time, right up until the fifth day, you have, you can change your mind. There have been women who have. Um, and then after I gave birth to him and I left the hospital without him, that was kind of like, oh, okay, am I really doing this? I didn't leave the hospital with them. The birth parent, the adoptive parents did. Um, it was difficult. It, it was hard. We, you know, spent time with them. Um, my parents came and met him, my grandparents, um, and then a, a friend of mine who had been helping me out came to meet him. It was hard. Um, we would go and meet them somewhere and, you know, kind of hold him, change his diaper, feed him, stuff like that. It was it, we were very fortunate that the adoptive parents were very 
open. They were very giving. You know, they wanted us to spend time with them. They didn't just take him and, and run. They they let us spend time with them. Towards the end of those five days, I knew, okay, you know, this is this is where he belongs. She signed off on the adoption. The new parents took the baby to their home in D.C. Catherine's boyfriend left her soon after. She stayed in contact with her son's adopted family for a little while. They would send letters and pictures. But then her ex disputed the fact that he was the father, and the parents raising her son quickly closed the adoption, which cut off any contact with them. Catherine moved on with her life, got married, and is now raising two of her own children on the North Shore. The son she gave up for adoption is now over 18. And despite her belief that he was raised in a good home by good parents, there is a noticeable sadness when she talks about that time. There's a lot of, I want to say a lot of grief involved with, with afterwards, and you have to kind of prepare yourself for that. Um, it's, it's, it's not easy to make that decision, but one of the biggest things I always say is you have to make the, the, you have to figure out what the best thing is for that child. It may not be the right thing, it may not be the best thing for you, but you have to decide, okay, this is what's best. And you really have to do a lot of soul searching, a lot of, you know, what is my life like? What kind of life can I give this child? Catherine hasn't ruled out contacting her first son in the future. And the thought of him trying to find her brings a smile to her face. These have just been three accounts of adoption. And in these particular cases, the parents and children seem to have found what they were looking for. But it's hard to predict how any foster or adoption situation will turn out. What everyone I spoke with does know is the foster care system is understaffed, overwhelmed, and desperate for more loving homes. To the kids still waiting, Lizzie Schultz has a message. Not to give up because the time will come when it's right for you. For WWL Radio, I'm Tan Trung. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.